This episode of the Trusted Advisor is sponsored by Bluestar. For Bluestar, SaaS means solution as a service, not software as a service. And with their hybrid SaaS program, they have embodied just that. Bluestar's hybrid solutions as a service provides you with flexible financing options to fit any business model. In Bluestar's suite of offerings, you can bundle your software, hardware, service contracts, installation training, and more into one low payment for your end user. And you can get paid any way you see fit, monthly, one lump sum, or a mix of both. That's right, solutions can be paid for upfront and in full through the more traditional CapEx method or throughout a stint of monthly payments by the OpEx route. Rip and replace and subscription-based financing plans are also available to offer up to your customers. What's more, you can offer customers three-month deferred payments to help during these difficult financial times. Partner today with Bluestar to optimize your business needs. For more information, visit bluestarinc.com. That's bluestarinc.com. Hello and welcome to The Trust Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Brianna Moriarty of Star Micronics, and I'm your guest host for this podcast. Um, this is a special podcast for the RSPA NextGen community. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's episode, we'll be talking about what technologies and solutions will outlast the pandemic. We have our four special guests featured. We have Matt Shaw. He's a production super solution specialist at Poztech, a longtime reseller member of the RSPA, and Matt has been a member of Poztech team for 11 years. Hey, Matt, thanks for being here. Hey, Brianna, thank you. We also have Linda Abraham. Um, she's in her fifth year as the marketing manager at RSPA ISV member Cyberlink. Linda has worked in the digital and software world for the past decade. Welcome, Linda. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. We also have Justin Ziegler. He is the Director of Product Strategy and Marketing at DataCap, another longtime RSPA member. Justin has been part of DataCap team for almost 15 years. Glad you could join us today. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Trevor. And finally, we have Andrew Faulkner, who is the owner and CEO of the RSPA VAR member, Staley Technologies, a solution provider headquartered in Little Rock, Arkansas. Prior to purchasing Staley, he owned and operated Advanced POS Solutions. Hey, Andrew, thanks for joining us. Hey, Brianna. So to kick things off today, um, the world has been crazy this past almost year now um, due to the COVID-19 crisis, and a lot of people have sh shifted their focus to provide specific solutions for um, the pandemic, for retailers and restaurants trying to survive this crisis. So let's first start talking about what solutions have you added to your lineup um, to try to um, adapt to the COVID-19 crisis. Linda, how about we start with you? Thank you. So um, just a little bit about FaceMe. So FaceMe is the world's top cross-platform AI facial recognition engine. So we have had our facial recognition SDK with facial detection and um, recognition. And when the pandemic hit, we really understood the importance of health checks, mask wearing, and social distancing to kind of go back to our new reality with the pandemic. So we came out with a solution on FaceMe Health. So FaceMe Health is an integrated solution for mass detection, authentication, and temperature measurement. It offers contactless pandemic control measures that are required across 
a wide range of facilities, whether it's a retail store, a restaurant, or a hotel. So um, when someone enters into a building, there can be a kiosk there with face me health on it, and it could check if someone is wearing a mask, if they're wearing it properly, if they have a fever, and if they do, for example, have a fever, they're not wearing their mask properly, um, an alert can be sent to personnel to go ahead and go ahead and take next steps. Um, we understand the importance of contactless experiences and kind of getting everybody back to enjoying their life in a, a safe and healthy way. Great. Matt, how about you guys? What have you done to kind of shift your focus um, to offer solutions to help through the pandemic? One of the main things that we've seen a growth in uh, with our products specifically is, is really just the, the cloud products in general. The, the shift from um, legacy point of sale to uh, cloud-based, you know, moving your, your solutions to as a service, uh, something that's a monthly payment, something that feels and is more flexible, something that offers cloud solutions, things that bring in technologies that engage guests more directly, uh, especially during this time with things like online ordering and the ability to continue to sell your product as a restaurant, uh, whether the guest is sitting down at a table inside, maybe they're sitting outside or they're coming by to pick it up as a catered solution or as just a meal for dinner that night. So we've seen a, a huge shift in that over these past several months. And uh, it's, it's something that is, uh, it was already there in the market, the, the, the shift from on-prem to cloud, if you will. Um, but the growth in that has been explosive. Yeah, I have to agree. We've seen a huge uptick in our, our cloud printing solutions as well. So with that said, a lot of these solutions that people are coming up with, um, we're trying to think of ways, you know, they're making us money now, we're helping solve problems now, but how do we continue to promote that into the future? So Justin, can I hear from you about what your plans are about um, solutions and technologies being offered that won't just help through the pandemic, but will outlast it? Sure. I mean, I think any kind of form of digital interaction between a consumer and a merchant is going to have staying power. Um, I mean, I think one of the silver linings, you know, if you consider silver lining as part of the pandemic, is that all the consumers, um, or a lot of these, a large subset of consumers, have been kind of trained on these new systems. So you have guys who are now, um, or you have cardholders, consumers who are now really actively engaging with their merchants through above store channels like, uh, you know, QR code based payments, online ordering. Uh, buy online, pick up in store. Um, so you see a lot of uh, movement toward that and an acceleration toward that. That was happening pre-pandemic, but post-pandemic, you're going to have a much larger subset of users that are going to be um, not only using it and, and trained to use that type of stuff and feel comfortable using those type of systems, but also, you know, having having the expectation um, that's built by these tier one uh, these tier one merchants that um, you know, it's going to trickle down to small to medium-sized businesses. So now you're gonna have consumers and cardholders who are expecting to have this kind of frictionless payments experience, um, uh, whether it's you know, a card on file, um, in-store and above-store payments, shared tokens so that you can have you know, a, a seamless return, and anything like that, that, this, that they're gonna to start to expect this functionality, not only from you know, the Walmarts and the Best Buys and Targets, but also from their local pizza shop and, and the mom and pop you know, retail store. So I think you're gonna to start to see merchants get pressured a little bit to, uh, to start to um, absorb some of these solutions. So, you know, we're seeing an accelerated adoption on our side, specifically um, online ordering, delivery, curbside pickup, 
consumer-driven pay-to-table, more focused on QR code-based payments, text-to-pay, that sort of thing. And then um, the one, uh, I'll say, trend that it was happening po- uh, pre-pandemic that is kind of accelerated post-pandemic is going to be kiosks. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of these uh, large merchants that uh, have implemented kiosks have seen um, significant growth in average ticket size uh, when you're either ordering on a kiosk or when you're ordering online. So these merchants are kind of incentivized to push these solutions um, such that, you know, they're pushing the merchant in that direction so that they can, one, pick up that average ticket size, have a better customer experience, have less um, less overhead in the store because you have less cashiers, less salespeople required when, you, when you're able to kind of gener- uh, uh, generate this direct connection with a, a, a consumer. And, um, you know, you're able to have this data-driven experience as well. Because now, now when somebody's um, interacting with you as a merchant um, in an online presence, you know, now you're getting all these data points on them. You can market to them. You can build loyalty platforms around that type of transactions. You really can't do in a legacy type, type of cash-only or credit card and store scenario. So I think, you know, you're going to see a, a rush on both sides where both merchants are going to push in this direction. And, um, you know, consumers are going to drive merchants who haven't yet moved. Um, in that direction, just by kind of requiring that type of uh, user experience. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Something that we've kind of had as our ongoing motto here at STAR is that, you know, challenge creates opportunity and COVID is obviously mm-hmm. a huge challenge, but the type of technology being developed really gives um, a lot of these merchants that might not be in a great place right now, um, a lot of tools to better their business in the future. Um, Andrew, did you have anything to add to that? You know, I agree with Matt and Justin. I think we've we've seen all the same acceleration that that they have. I think the whole do-it-yourself uh, mentality that COVID's uh, pushed onto the consumer, uh, whether it's mobile payments, digital menus, um, online ordering with uh, pickup at the store, with using a kiosk maybe for online ordering pickup. Just all that entire mentality shifting from the merchant kind of holding the hand of the consumer throughout the entire process um, is is completely shifted now to, you know, what can the merchant provide so the the consumer can do it himself or herself? So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a total shift to that. Right. And Linda, I'm really curious to hear from you, um, you know, as a company that's producing temperature and mass screening um, devices, how do you expect um, these solutions to continue past COVID? So kind of piggybacking off of what Justin and Andrew talked about too, like a personalized shopping experiences. So technologies that really outlast the pandemic are going to be ones that enable compelling and interactive personal experiences. So one is, for example, a smart interactive digital sign. It can be used in a mall or in an office to gather demographics, um, understand your customers and their shopping behavior, and deliver real-time customizable ads as well. Retailers and advertisers can use this to analyze the data and go, go ahead and enhance those products and services. Um, I think they kind of already mentioned the contactless interactive kiosks and syncing these into different loyalty programs that um, companies have, a, have as well. So, for example, if I'm going into a coffee shop um, and I have a loyalty program connected to that, when I enter in, if I didn't place my order online, it can 
a pop-up can happen like, hey, Linda, do you want to order your vanilla latte again? And I can nod and say yes or no, and then select something else. So um, just kind of creating, like using AI to enhance the customer experience, um, mm -hmm. I think is going to basically stay beyond the pandemic. It'll help the merchants and it'll give this experience to the customers that um, it's personalized specific to them. For sure. So with all that said, um, I mean, we know that some of the retailers and restaurants, although we kind of look at it as a great time for them to upgrade their technology, um, especially the SMBs, they might be struggling a little bit. So what's really affordable um, for these merchants to be purchasing right now? What should they be prioritizing in upgrading their technology? Andrew, do you mind kicking us off? Yeah, I think, you know, the the um, technology out there, there's some extremes where, you know, a lot of the kiosks are out of the reach of a lot of SMBs from just an affordability standpoint. But a lot of the digital menu technology, the mobile payment technology packaged with, you know, credit cards and, and different means of, of how to, um, you know, how the reseller charges for that. Um, a lot of that's affordable today. And, and um, the manufacturers have done a great job of making that more affordable. Um, I think even, you know, when you look at just the, the foundation of a lot of this stuff is the networking within the, within the restaurant. Um, or the retail space, you know, a lot of the network infrastructure <clears throat> is pretty old. Um, so uh, just upgrading Wi-Fi uh, is huge right now. I think um, a lot of the technology we've already talked about and, and uh, the technology that we're going to be getting in, that we'll be getting into next year, <clears throat> a lot of it's based off of the, wi uh, the wireless infrastructure within the building itself. So um, a lot of the cost of those types of upgrades has uh, gotten a lot more reasonable, I'd say, in the last couple of years. Um, and so I, I see a, a huge uptick in, uh, in wireless upgrades within a, within a store and then uh, a lot of this mobile and contactless payment and ordering technology being affordable next year as well. Definitely. And Matt, being a bar, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, what kind of advice or consultation are you giving to merchants on affordability and prioritizing technology? Well, yeah, just, just like Andrew said, um, the, the ability or the, uh, the cost involved with upgrading just your infrastructure in your business alone, um, that cost coming down now opens up the door to um, these as a service models, you know, not only does your software have to be as a service, but you could potentially make your entire system, all of your hardware as a service. And when you talk about affordability, nothing's really cheaper than just paying a small amount up front to have a new system programmed and installed. And to have that new system be, you know, so heavily tied with the financial institution, I mean, just being financial technology, uh, you know, it's, it's linked to payments intrinsically now. So you, you get, Along with that, you pull through with that, those e-commerce solutions, those contactless payment solutions, even kiosk solutions, uh, depending on you know, software providers. Um, so, so really pulling all of that through, um, it's, it's never been a better time to actually invest a little bit of money um, to get a whole lot more out of you know, what your point of sale system is doing for your business. It's... Uh, it's really something that um, when we go and talk to our customers, especially our existing customer base, let alone other customers out there that have been around for a long time, 
Um, you know, we look at it from a standpoint now of really truly guest engagement. You know, how are you going to engage your guests, whether it's right now when you really can't, you, you have to do it from a six foot distance or, you know, six months from now, hopefully, when we're starting to move back into a world of let's all go back out and eat. Well, what are those technologies that we just deployed over the past seven, eight months now during COVID? And how do we leverage those moving forward? Is this going to drive additional business? Is this going to open additional streams of revenue? Am I going to maintain those streams of revenue? Is it viable for me to do so when the cost of my labor goes up? So those are all fun little challenges. And really, it's just kind of a it's a puzzle that's slightly different for everybody. But at the end of the day, it all kind of works out that, you know, they're all going to be sitting there with a lot more technology in their lap um, for a significantly smaller investment than they made five, six years ago. Agreed. Um, well, now would be a great time to pause for a moment and let our listeners and viewers know that an RSPA membership has never been more valuable or more affordable. The RSPA has expanded its FAR and ISV member benefits to include di discounts on health insurance, HR services, office supplies, and shipping. Also, RSPA members have access to a legal advisor, security advisor, sales coach, and a VAR and ISV business advisor. That's all included in your annual RSPA membership, which for resellers starts at just $250 a year. That's 68 cents a day for these high value services. Accelerate your success by joining the RSPA today. Also, thank you to our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star, Heartland, ScanSource, and Shift4 Payments. To receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. Finally, don't forget to save the date for Retail Now 2021, July 25th through the 27th in Nashville. Retail Now is where the industry meets. All right, we're back. So Justin, um, speaking about some of the new solutions that are being developed for COVID, what's gonna outlast COVID, what are some of the technologies that you see are being kind of set, set aside or um, are no longer needed in this kind of new world? Um, I, I think to, to echo you know, Matt and Andrew's point is that you really want to be able to move anything you can to SaaS and that becomes affordable for a merchant. So anything that was traditionally you know, uh, a capital expenditure, you want to move to an operating expense so that uh, the merchants can, you know, generally afford them. Um, so with that in mind, we kind of think that, you know, while pay for table is always a little bit slow on the uptake in the U.S., um, well, if I have to pay table, I mean, traditional European pay to table, you're bringing a, a physical purpose-built device to the table and handing it to a, uh, a patron to, to complete a transaction. I think, you know, we're going to see in the U.S. kind of a leapfrog um, over the traditional European pay to table with these kind of high CapEx devices. Um, and uh, you're gonna see kind of a QR code text to pay type of solution that is a more consumer phone, consumer device driven. Um, I think that's gonna be the, the real primary driver that you're gonna see as far as, um, as, far as a, a post COVID type of solution is concerned. I mean, you know, I, I was the one a few years ago talking about how, how dead QR codes are and QR codes um, are going to, are, are going to uh, be, uh, a piece of any significant solution moving forward and then he came in came COVID and uh, we had to have a solution in place immediately that would allow people to you know to be able to pay or connect to a particular time in a restaurant or or whatever and, and then pay on their phone and complete the transaction that way 
and QR codes made a lot of sense because it was there. Um, existing printers could print QR codes very easily. It just, it just is a, a something that you could do turnkey with a software update overnight. And that, again, speaks to the importance of a cloud or a hybrid point of sale that can update an entire base like that. So I think, you know, that's certainly something that we're going to see, I think, um, move ahead of a traditional pay at the table that you see a kind of universally across, uh, across the other parts of the world. Um, you know, and, and then the other parts of that too, where you have device maintenance, you have, uh, the cleaning post COVID, you have to wipe these devices down. Um, and then I think the offered gratuity flow is kind of what, um, hurt that, hurt that adoption in the U.S. because in a lot of cases you have a server kind of waiting around while you enter a tip in front of them. And that can always be a little bit awkward. You know, in Europe, they don't generally have to deal with that type of uh, gratuity issue. So I think that was part of the disconnect in the U.S. And you're going to see that kind of resolve itself. Um, with these consumer-driven, um, these consumer-device-driven solutions, so I think that's going to be a big uh, proponent. Um, I think cash is going to is going to the the uh, demise of cash, or at least the slowdown of cash. I think we'll have cash at least in some degree for the foreseeable future, but I think you're going to see uh, a faster decline in the use of cash. Um, it's kind of uh, you know it's a dumb payment. There's no data associated with a cash-based payment, so it's an, an anonymous payment that purchases generally you know, don't like in that regard, um, unless, you know, you, you have other reasons to take cash and then, um, you know, we probably don't want to talk about those on an integrated payments panel, but um, I, I think that for the most part, you're going to see the, the downfall of, or not the downfall, the mitigation of cash usage um, across merchants just because you're able to, to get data-driven, um, data-driven uh, exports outside, outside of uh, um, integrated payments and um, consumer-driven payment platforms. Yeah, all really great points. And I think the theme that I'm kind of hearing in these new solutions is that we're trying to eliminate human interaction. We're trying to make everything as contactless as possible. So with that being said, um, our industry especially is a very trade show focused industry, um, lots of travel, lots of face-to-face -face kind of interaction to make these business deals. Mm -hmm. How do you guys think that that's going to, you know, be in the future? Do you think that our business specifically will ever go back to normal. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think that's the that's the uh, million dollar question right now. I think uh, we will uh, go back to some sense of normalcy, um, but I don't think it'll ever be back to where it was before COVID. I think, um, you know, it, It'll be a hybrid uh, of sorts. Um, you know, you're you're always going to have the folks that you know once the vaccine's out and and we kind of get past this, that you know we're going to want a, a face to face meeting. There's there's the larger customer that, that you feel a need to go meet with face to face. Um, the potential customer that's a larger customer that you want to go sit down across the table from them and, and meet with them. Um, but I mean, this is definitely, uh, it's changed my entire opinion on it. I mean, I, I tell you, before COVID, I was, even though I'm not that old, old, I had kind of had an old school mentality about all of that. And um, my opinion's completely changed on, on the, uh, you know, working virtually and uh, the productivity that comes from that. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've made it work with with doing Zoom meetings with potential customers and current customers, and I see that continuing on even after COVID's, uh, you know, kind of uh, more in our past. Uh, 
And as far as trade shows go, I think it's going to be the same deal. I think it, I think they're going to have trade shows again. I think people will be there in person, but I think they're going to offer an, another option of, of attending a trade show online. I think that, that they'll figure out a way to, to offer an online experience uh, for people for trade shows, but then also offer the in-person uh, trade show as well. So, uh, you know, a lot to kind of figure out and see uh, in the future with that, but I definitely don't think it'll ever get back to where we were before COVID. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think um, just the threshold, as you said, Andrew, I think the threshold for, you know, what um, is going to warrant travel is going to be much higher. So I think that there, while there will be travel post-COVID, I think that you're going to have a lot more of Zoom meetings that would have been in 2019, 2018, uh, previously an in-person event. Um, I think it was, it was Bill Gates last week that said that he expects Post-COVID, they have business travel dropped to 50% of where it was the year before. And then um, in, in uh, office, um, you know, basically in office participation would be around 30% of where, where it was. So I think you're going to, I think I kind of agree with that assessment. And you're just gonna, not going to have, it's, it's never going to go back to the way it was, you know, eight, nine months ago. Agreed. And let's be honest, companies and, you know, they're saving money on less travel, less mm -hmm. office expenses. So it'll definitely be different. Um, Matt, coming from a VAR where you you guys are out in the field and, you know, kind of walking through these merchants through a, a install, what does that look like for you guys? What are your um, field technicians doing in far, as far as procedures? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously right now we're following all guidelines. You know, we are out in the field. We do have to maintain support. So, uh, you know, face masks, uh everywhere it's you know hand washing sanitizing it's that that is obviously we're maintaining that um but but to back up before even we we get to being able to service a customer it's the sales cycle and yes all these things uh these technologies that we're leveraging is we're doing this right now on, on uh go to meeting i mean it's it's stuff that's going to stick around and you know coming into this my initial reaction to it was i'm, I'm prepared for this i i actually enjoy you know doing all these things remote i feel like i you know, a couple of weeks in, I was like, I can do my job like this forever. Come to realize the times that I've needed to go out on site to actually meet with somebody face to face, those have come up. Um, the main thing for me with my role is I need to go look at a site. I need to sometimes, I'm, I'm a visual learner in general. So being able to walk into a restaurant and say, show me your operations, show me your challenges so that I can present a solution to those. It's hard to do that over the phone, you know. Let's let's do a uh, let's do a um, uh, FaceTime. Walk me around your restaurant. And show me your challenges. That's just uh, it's a bit more awkward. So getting to the getting back to some of that is is something I'm looking forward to personally. But around that, I think you plug in the ability to to be remote. Um, you know, contracts are all delivered digitally these days. That's not going to go away. That's only going to grow. Uh, I think the days of going and sitting down with a pen and a paper to have somebody sign it and write you a check, that's that's gone. We're doing our payments via ACH, we're doing our contracts via DocuSign and things like that, or Adobe Sign. Um, those are here to stay for sure. Um, the big question is uh, that I've been wanting to know is, and, and I don't have an answer to this, but we look at the actual expenses, like you said, uh, one of them is not just office expenses, but actually the square footage that you're paying for do you need that square footage anymore are we in a position and are we in a place where we can say 
you know, 25% of the staff that I had in office before every day, nine to five, can now actually work from home remotely. So 25% of my office space can shrink. Uh, there's some limitations as a bar, um, you know, talking about field service, I have to carry spare parts inventory, I have to have warehousing space, I have to have space to stage systems, space to train um, new, new customers at. But is is that something that's going to happen? Is that something that we're going to look to do in order to, you know, again, further cut some costs and drive some more profit back into our businesses? So those are all fun questions. I don't know what anybody else thinks about office space, but that's something that's been on my mind. I've definitely thought of yeah. that, Matt, as well. And, you know, I remember, it's I say back in the day, but I guess it's more pre-COVID, it was back in the day. But, um, you know, several customers would ask, well, do you have an office? Where's your closest office? You know, is that even going to be brought up anymore? Um, is that even going to be something that is important to a potential customer as if I have a physical office close to them? Um, or is it just good enough that I've got field techs that I deploy out of their houses, um, you know, that's that are within an hour or whatever from their from their site. So um, I agree. I mean, we're assessing all that here. We're a national company. And so, you know, we've already got offices around the country, but are we adding new offices? I mean, at this point, uh, we're kind of holding back and, and looking to see what happens. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the remote work kind of gives you the flexibility, like you said, to have field techs across the country, but not have to have a designated office space um, for them. So speaking of that, and this is a question that I just like to ask everybody, everyone has kind of a different opinion, but do you have plans to go back to the office and how has your adjustment been um, to, you know, COVID and remote work and if you are back in the office, what does that look like um, for you? So Linda, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm working remote and I've been lucky in the tech industry that we're able to do that. Um, Cyberlink in general has offices globally and some areas, for example, like Taipei have not been hit as hard with COVID. So they're still going into an office. Everybody in the U.S. is working remote still our priority is like the safety and the health of all of our employees. Um, so we're doing really great working remote. Um, we're making sure to have video conferences, still connecting with everybody. I think that part of having human interaction is innate. Um, as much as like in the beginning, kind of what uh, Matt said, like it was nice working completely remote and I was thriving at a point. And then I'm like, it would be nice to go grab coffee with somebody <laughs> mm -hmm. instead of just being behind a screen. Um, so we do definitely plan to go back into an office. How that's going to look like, I'm assuming is going to be kind of like a, a smaller percentage. It'll be like a hybrid in the beginning. And that's when there's treatment and there's a vaccine. Smaller groups of people will go and meet. Um, maybe we'll meet outdoors too um, at a restaurant or a cafe um, just to connect and meet. And we'll definitely go ahead and implement um, mask checks and temperature checks and contactless access control. It's going to be probably like a new world in the beginning um, for the first few years, but I do have hope maybe in like five to 10 years or when my kids are older, there's going to be normalcy back to us hugging each other and being in an elevator, in a crammed elevator, not being nervous that something is going to happen to us. Yeah, for sure. I think you're probably the first person I've heard say five to 10 years, so many people 
are not thinking that far ahead, but that's that could be the reality of it. All right, well, thank you guys so much for this conversation today. Um, we hope you all enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to su subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so that you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your podcast. The more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for bars and ISVs in the point of sale channel, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org, go then by clicking the RSPA blog. Before we go, thanks again to Matt, Linda, Justin, and Andrew for sharing their wisdom today. Thanks also to the RSPA marketing manager, Chris Arnold, for his production work. Joseph Joseph McDade for our music. And last but not least, thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members and the point of and the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, please visit the website at gorspa.org. Bye everyone.